Okay, folks, we're in Acts chapter 14. We're in Lesson 29. In fact, we're going to continue in Lesson 29. Last week, we didn't get through the lesson because we got into a very good discussion about the presence of the Holy Spirit and how we can see Him working in our lives today. So today we're going to continue on. We're looking at the cities of Lyconia. We're on Paul's and Barnabas' first missionary journey into Asia Minor and what we would call Turkey today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to kind of read through the passage where we left off. We're going to start in verse 6 of chapter 14. They became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. They were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man, without strength in his feet, was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying, In the Lyconian language, the gods have come down in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed the nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven, and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain themselves from sacrificing to them. Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. Having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day they departed with Barnabas to Derby. Okay, so let's take a look here. We're going to look at these verses. We're, we've already addressed what happened in Iconian and that, again, they faced the violent plot that was being pled against them. And so they fled from there to Lystra and Derby. And again, I want you to see the, what happens is the pattern of ministry here. They go in, they preach the gospel, and as always, they're going to face opposition. 
And then even in spite of the opposition, God gives them fruit. That is, there are people who come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and a church is established. So you're going to see that it's very much necessary for you and I to recognize that when you are doing what God calls you to do, there's always going to be opposition. We shouldn't think it's strange when we have problems when we do what God calls us to do. So I want you to notice with me verse 6, the very first thing here is that because of the violent attempt in Iconium, they fled to Lystra and Derby and preached there. So what they did was they just picked up, went to Lystra and to Derby. These are twin cities near each other and preached the gospel there. Now, while they're in Lystra, verses 8 through 18, we're going to see that there's a miracle that happens. So there was a lame man from birth who was sitting, listening to Paul's preaching. A lame man from birth was sitting, listening to Paul's preaching. So there's a fellow there who something must have happened when he was born. He, he, was, he was lame. He could not walk. He didn't have strength in his, in his feet. And so he was listening intently to Paul's preaching. Now Paul observed the man and saw that he had faith to be healed. So while Paul was preaching to him, to them, he, he noticed that this guy is listening, and from the expression on his face, Paul could see that this guy had faith to believe that he could be healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul told the man to stand up, and he leaped and walked. So Paul tells him, stand up. So the guy leaps and walks. Now I want you to understand something. That is here, what we see here is a, an expression of his faith to believe that with Paul telling him to do that, he could be healed. That's an expression of faith. Because listen, I, you know, I, I'll give you a story from Lori and I in our relationship. You know, when we first got married, we thought we knew each other. But the reality is, is you only know a little bit about each other and you don't know each other that well. But so in our first year of marriage, I'm the kind of guy when I get sick, I only go to bed if I'm sick. So so I was in bed. I was sick. I was like, oh. Lori comes up and is like, you need to get up. You need to get going. And because and, she thought she could just tell me, well, I know whether or not I can get up. And I know whether or not I can get going. So all I do is just turn over, which only made her mad. So, you know, the reality is, is you know whether or not you can get up or not when you're told to do something. It's not Paul telling him to do it. That's the issue here. The issue is, is that he believed when Paul told him to get up, and he did. He got up, he leapt, and he walked. That's the miracle. In fact, I want you to notice how complete the miracle is. Here's a guy who's never walked his entire life. From the moment he was born, he had a problem with his legs. He was crippled. From the moment he was born, he's never walked. So you think about it. He doesn't have the muscles to just get up and walk and leap. God healed him completely to the point where he had strength in his legs to do what he's supposed to do. That's the completeness of the miracle here. That's the completeness of how God saves someone and works in their life and heals them. So when the people saw the miracle, they proclaimed that the gods have come. When the people saw the miracle, that is all these other Gentiles, 
they proclaim that the gods have come. Now, I want you to think about it for a moment. Think about it. When a miracle happened in Jerusalem, who did they praise? They praised God. They praised, they praised the God of Israel. Now, that's because they had a Jewish background. Now, here we are. We're in a Gentile world. We're with Greeks. They don't have a perspective of the God of Israel. They have a perspective of their, of their many gods. So when they see a miracle, who are they going to praise? They're gods. That's exactly what they're doing. So when they saw the miracle, they proclaimed that the gods have come. Now, why would they all of a sudden start believing that the gods have visited them? So I I just want to tell you a little bit about Lystra so that you understand. Lystra was a Roman colony that had been founded by Caesar Augustus. Now, the community as a whole was not culturally advanced, and so they had a statue dedicated to the Greek god Zeus and Hermes. Now, the Greek god Zeus and Hermes would be the Roman gods Jupiter and Mercury. Now, these two deities were linked to a local cult. They had embraced a legend that two men from town had entertained two gods unaware with hospitality that the rest of the community had withheld. So they had a local legend that there were two folks in town that entertained the gods while the rest of the community ignored them. So this probably led the people to embrace Paul as the gods because they weren't going to make that same mistake again. They were going to embrace the gods when they came there. And so what we see happening here is They believe the gods have come. So they referred to Barnabas as Zeus and Paul as Hermes because he was the speaker. And so that was the concept there, that that the speaker for Zeus was Hermes. And so because Paul did most of the preaching and teaching, they just assumed that he was Hermes, that he was Hermes, or what we would know of as Mercury from the Roman gods. Now, the problem is, is that it gets worse. The, the priest of Zeus, there was a temple near there in the city of, for Zeus, and the priest of Zeus brought garlands, that's flowered garlands, and brought oxen in order to sacrifice them to the gods who've shown up to Paul and Barnabas, who they think they are gods. Now, I want you to notice in verse 14 through 18, we're going to see the response of Paul and Barnabas. We're going to see how they react. Okay, so notice now that this grieved the apostles and they, and they proclaimed that they were like men, like them. They, this grieved the apostles and they proclaimed that they were men like them. Now, let's just stop for a moment. I think this is going to be interesting because they're dealing with people who have no concept. And so I want you to notice how the apostles are treating those people who don't have the same knowledge as him. And what I want you to notice is this. The first thing they do is to say, guys, we're not gods. We're just like you. And I think that's significant. If you're going to deal with people, especially people who don't believe the same thing that you believe in, they believe something out, even if what they believe is totally crazy and whacked out, You need to not put yourself above them, but you need to be on the same level with them, and you need to say to them, listen, 
We're just like you. We're just like you. Now, notice now, if you notice with me, what they're going to do is, is they're going to talk now about the difference in what they believe. They preach that they should turn from useless things to the living God. So they go on and they say, look, guys, what you've been leaving, God's saying, look, he has had patience with you, and you need to recognize that what's going on here is is that you've been worshiping that which is useless. It's meaningless. Now, we want you to worship that which is meaningful, the living God who died for you, who gave his life for you. That's what's meaningful. They go on and they say, in the past, the creator allowed the nations to walk in their ways. Now, why was that? Because in the past, God turned his attention from the Gentile nations to one nation, Israel, and he interacted with them. And he allowed the nations to go off and do what they were doing. And so that's what Paul and Barnabas are pointing out here, that the creator allowed the nations to walk in their ways. Yet God did not leave them without a witness of his goodness. Now, here's something I want you to understand. Just because God did not focus on them because his focus was on Israel does not mean that God didn't leave a witness to them. He he left a witness to the reality of who he was with all of the nations so that they know could know that there is a God. In fact, here's what I want you to understand. God, even most pagan nations, have some kind of a concept of God. And usually from their culture, you can, ha- you can find something, even though it's corrupted, you can find something to point them in the direction of the true God because he has blessed them. In fact, he talks about that he blesses them. Look with me. He says... Nevertheless, he did not leave them, verse 17, without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. God still blessed them. God still blessed them so that he could leave them with a witness of his goodness. God still blessed them. But I want you to notice something. Even with these words, They could not restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Once these folks had it made up in their mind that these are two gods, they were going to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas because they thought they were gods. And have you ever noticed that? Have you met somebody that no matter what you try to tell them, they have become so convinced in their minds that this is fact, and they go with it. They run with it. And that's what we see happening here. Now, I think it's interesting because when you go now to verse 19 and 20, we see the opposition arise, but I want you to notice not just the opposition, but I want you to notice the people who were just getting ready to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas and were making sacrifices to them because they thought they were gods. Notice now with the opposition that shows up, how they react to Paul and Barnabas. It's almost amazing. It's kind of, it kind of shows you something about people. Here's what I want you to notice. Jews from Iconium and Antioch. So, okay, so the opposition follows Paul. Jews from, from Iconium and Antioch near Pisidia persuaded the multitude to stone Paul. So all of a sudden these folks show up. They've heard that Paul's in Lystra. 
that Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra, and so they show up and they create a problem, and now they're working the crowd not to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, but to stone them. To stone them. They've, they've created havoc. And so after this, after stoning Paul, they dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. So they stoned Paul thinking he was dead, and they threw him outside of the city. They dragged him outside of the city because they didn't want his body in the city. So they dragged him outside of the city. Now, this is what I think is amazing. The disciples, that is the Christians, surrounded Paul's body, and he rose up and went into the city. God raised him up, and he went back into the city where they just stoned him. This is what is amazing to me. They, he raises up, probably bruised and battered, and he rose up and went into the city. Now the next day, he departed Derby. He departed for Derby with Barnabas. So the next day, he departed for Derby with Barnabas. So I think this is amazing. Now look, let's look at verse 21 to 28. That's where we're going to spend the rest of our attention here now. Look with me at verse 21 to 28. And when they had preached the gospel in that city, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconian, and Antioch. Stop for a moment. I think this is amazing. They went to Derby, made many disciples there. What do they do? Go back to the places where they faced persecution. Back to Lystra, back to Iconium, back to Antioch. Let me just stop for a moment. I think it's amazing because Lystra is where Timothy, Paul's spiritual son, is from. Lystra is where Timothy, Paul's spiritual son, is. We'll talk about Timothy later. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, which is in Syria, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had completed. And when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door to faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. All right, let's take a look here. The journey back. So after making many disciples, they revisited the cities as they journeyed back to Antioch in Syria. So so after making disciples in Derby, they decided to to make their way back the way they came, going then to Lystra, to Iconian, to Antioch near Pisidia. On their way back, they wanted to strengthen the churches. In fact, as they revisited the cities, they strengthened disciples. And what did they do? They appointed elders. What's that? Elders are overseers. Elders are shepherds. Elders would guide those churches. So in all of those churches, in all of those cities, they appointed leaders to oversee those churches while they were away after strengthening them. So when they arrived in Antioch, when they arrived in Antioch in Syria, which was the church that sent them out, 
they gathered the church and gave a report. When they arrived in Antioch, they gathered the church and gave a report. So basically, they were wanting to report what God had done on their missionary journey. We still do that today. When our missionaries come and visit us, the missionaries that we support as a part of our church here, when they come and visit us, what do we do? We, we have a time we set aside so that they can share what their ministry is about. That's a tradition in the church that goes all the way back to the early church. And they reported all that God had done and how the Gentiles came to faith. So this is basically they're reporting everything that God had done, every miracle, everything that he has accomplished, and reported how the Gentiles came to faith, how the Gentiles came to faith. Now, Paul and Barnabas then stayed with the disciples in Antioch a long time. It doesn't tell us exactly how long. You just need to know that it's, they stayed with the disciples because, remember, they were teachers in Antioch. They stayed with the church in Antioch a long time. Now, next week we're going to see that while they're in Antioch, a problem happens. In fact, it's such a problem that it has to be addressed, and the only way to address it is to have the leadership of the church, that is the apostles of the church, make a decision concerning this issue. We're going to see again that there's a problem in the church. It has to be addressed. And what is the result is really the first church council in church history, the Jerusalem Council as they talk about what is required for a Gentile to come to faith. And that's what we're going to talk about next week.